There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Go on, music. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Ayo, the Ducks <laughs> lost again. <laughs> Very badly this time around. Hmm. Uh, a 5-1 to one loss before the All-Star break to the St. Louis Blues. In uh, franchise-breaking or franchise-record-breaking fashion, I believe, from what I've seen on, on the Twitterverse, is the Ducks' 13 shots in this game is a franchise low for shots in a game, which really? uh, I find hard to believe. But that is a very, very low number. But somebody said oh. the previous record was 14. And I'm just surprised we haven't hit that already this season. Right. <laughs> like, like it happened just now, today. This is, this is the one. Fif- yeah, 51, this is 51 games into the season. We finally hit this. Wow. Drew's, Drew's got wishful thinking in the YouTube chat. He said, I'm hoping we'll hear that Carlisle's out by the time this is over. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Sorry, Drew. But uh, he hasn't been fired yet. I don't think he's going to be fired all season. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what other record he can break in a negative aspect that would actually get his ass fired at this point uh, because uh, of records and games lost in a row, uh, uh, low on shots, just everything you would go like, all right, this coach literally has no idea what the hell he's doing with the talent that we've provided with him. Uh, so I, I'm completely lost as anybody else, but uh it's probably the player's fault, not his. Oh, yeah. 
it's oh, not God. his fault. This break More probably honey. saved them because <laughs> now, now like uh, Corey Perry's coming back from injury. Ryan Miller's coming Shiny back. Shiny object. Shiny object. Silverberg's coming back from injury. <laughs> All after the break, apparently. Patrick Eves is two AHL games away from being able to come back. Uh, the only bad news we got was Ryan Kessler is it's a hip injury, which is is not a good sign when obviously he had surgery on that hip and got it completely replaced, I believe. And uh, that's why he's missing games and there's no timetable for return. Of course, I don't know if he'll honestly ever play again. If he continues to injure this hip, he probably shouldn't, to be honest. Yeah, quite honestly. Yeah, he, he's been um, I'd like to say half the player he was but quite honestly he's been a quarter of the player he's yeah. ever been with this hip injury and then the 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 move or the hit that ended up happening where he ended up moving out it was nothing it was just like he kind of ran he could have ran into the boards maybe a little bit harder in practice than he did the one guy he kind of tapped and then all of a sudden was gone and now he's like out for extended period of time on the ir it just blows me away i mean if, if he's that hurt there's there's I hate it. I hate the fact that I have to say Ryan Kessler's career is done, but it's there's there's no real recovery unless he no. unless he does two years of recovery and then what are we getting after that? It's not the guy that could can put up the He's numbers. He's not twenty five. He yeah, no. he doesn't have two years to recover. There's, there's nothing to come back from, uh, which is unfortunate because we all love Ryan Kessler. Um, I and miss him. And honestly, the best thing for him now is to probably not play hockey again if he wants to have a, a normal life and a hip that's not going to just ail him for the rest of his life. Uh, whether that's the Ducks buying him out in the offseason, that's something we can get to later on in the show. The other big news, probably the worst news of the day, Andre Kasha is out five to six months with a torn labrum, which we thought was a day-to-day -day injury. And <laughs> Josh so Cooper, among others, dropped the bomb today that he's out for the rest of the season because he needs surgery out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so weird. It was, he was good face off, took a face off, just took a weird little like up and down. And I was like, I was confused on how we got injured, what got injured. And the fact that whatever got injured became half a year, half yep. a year for this guy. Um, I mean, at least it's not a concussion, but at the same time, this guy is so, so injury prone, but I mean, that's, there's the dagger. I mean, I, I don't care who comes back after this. There's there's nobody coming back from injury that's going to replace what he's going to do or what he has done for the Ducks. It it's done. Everyone just embrace it. It's 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 going to happen if we get in the playoffs. Great, but I doubt it. Embrace it. There's a lot of names for it. There's lose for Hughes, play crapo yeah. for Kako, lose dozens <laughs> for Cousins, as Jason Joseph puts in the chat, or no yes. goals in for Pulled Colson. So there's <laughs> plenty of. All right, we're stretching here. Yeah, there's there's plenty <laughs> of options to embrace the tank and and go for a top pick this year because it doesn't look like it's going to get better at this point. John Gibson is going to stub his toe and need surgery and be out for the rest of the season. God. People were blaming me on Twitter because I, John Gibson got hit in this game with a, a flying leg from Jason Swartz. <laughs> and I said, oh, just please, hockey gods, no, no more injuries. We, I, I, we can't take it. And two minutes later, Cam Fowler blocks a shot and gets injured. And all of a sudden, I'm the guy who jinxed, <laughs> jinxed the, Jinx. the hockey Fowler gods. Getting injured? Fowler getting injured? Yeah, he came back, luckily. But, yeah, uh, well, he played, but... Yeah, he, he, he played. played. I don't know. 
you will find out <laughs> later tomorrow that somehow he's out for the rest of the year because he yeah. broke his hand. Yeah, Hopefully, yeah, yeah, they're shutting him down too. Uh, let's get into these pregame notes here. Uh, we already kind of covered it a bit, but John Gibson starter net, of course. Bennington in for St. Louis. He's been pretty much perfect since getting called up. I think his his only bad game was his last game against the Kings, where they lost four to three. So he's been a welcome kind of uh, addition to the Blues lineup because Jake Allen has just been dog shit all year. And Chad Johnson was the <laughs> other guy who was there until Bennington came up. So he, he's been kind of a surprise for them. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's the reason we kind of got Chad Johnson was just that Bennington had uh, come in and they were like high and mighty on him, uh, not Edmonton high and mighty on their backup goalie, but they didn't really like, uh, you know, Allen. And we've said this before is Jake Allen's been – inconsistent left and right and so you need a little bit of consistency brian out uh, brian elliott was the last guy who maybe brought a little bit of consistency to the st louis net and they've given allen his shot and it's been a few seasons and it's just not there so they brought in uh bennington and uh, he's he's done very well he's admirably for a team that's still not in a playoff spot carter hart ish uh, addition for the st louis no. blues to come in and be a starter i'm getting blamed in the chat now for, for being my fault <laughs> for injuring Cam Fowler. Daisy said it was me, and Ricky said it's all my fault. Well, you know what? Cam Fowler's okay, oh, as far as I know at this point, so stop blaming yeah. me for his, his <laughs> no, myth of an injury. It's your fault. Yeah, well, okay. Just embrace so, it. So, for some reason, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but the, the, the Ducks do their Instagram lineup thing about, I don't know, I think an hour or two before the game where they predict the lineup for the day, and it's yeah. never right. Uh, they were completely off. It always changes. I always put it in the notes, and it always changes. Sam Carrick got called up. Adam Cracknell was was uh, called yeah. up as well. Del Zotto was finally able to make his debut. None of them were listed in the pregame lineup on Instagram. And then all of a sudden, I find out that, oh, Sam Carrick's in. Oh, Adam Cracknell's in as well. Oh, and Michael Del Zotto's making his debut. And it's actually Brian Gibbons and Jakob Larson who are making their way out of the lineup. So a couple of new additions didn't really do much. <laughs> exactly. Did what, we expect what Adam Cracknell? difference did it make? <laughs> Somebody, I said Adam Cracknell came up. We, we put the, the shot, speaking of shiny objects, when we heard the news about uh, Corey Perry and uh, who was, I think it was Jacob Silverberg were skating. Or maybe it was, it was Corey Perry and somebody were skating. And I, I tweeted out the shiny objects are on their ways. Might have been Patrick Eves. And then, uh, then we got the news that Adam Cracknell was also at practice. And I said, oh, the, they're calling up the blunt objects as well. And somebody's like, oh, well, well, Adam Cracknell's been doing well for the San Diego Gulls. I'm like, well, he's always, he's always done well in the AHL. doesn't mean he's going to come up and, and all of a sudden do well in the NHL, especially when they're going to put him on the fourth line. Oh, and big surprise, he didn't do that great. Yeah, uh, much like we've talked about uh, having Troy Terry or Sam Jones or uh, uh, Max Jones go down. Uh, is not necessarily at this point a demotion. It's st stay away from the top. Stay away. Uh, yeah. the, the ducks. The ducks aren't working. You're you're gonna get in here. You're gonna get frustrated. You're gonna. It's a self fulfilling prophecy where you end up being bad on bad on bad, and everything just sucks. Look at Edmonton. It's just bad on bad on bad, and it just blows. I mean, at some point you just got to put them down. Let them do their thing. Embrace just we're going to have a mediocre season. If we get the playoffs, great. If we don't, hey, at least we're not full rebuild and we're, you know, years and years away. We're, you know, 
a season away, hopefully. But, you know, throw those guys in if you want to. It's it's not going to make much of a difference one way or the other. Speaking of Edmonton, the unfireable one, it got fired. He actually got let go. Peter Shirelli is <laughs> no longer the GM of the Edmonton Oilers. So there's hope, Ducks fans. There's hope that that uh, Randy Carlisle might not be the coach of Anaheim Ducks. Well, probably not. It's probably not. Good. Oh, God. Uh, my neck, it, it, it hurts so much to, to shake so hard left to right. But uh, no, no. <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, surprise, not surprising. Well, I guess surprising that it took this long and it was almost a fart out the door was signing that goalie who's played 31 oh. games. And that hey, contract. we're gonna give you a, we're gonna give you a pick of rename money and then a modified no trade clause. Oh yeah, by the way, be fired tomorrow. So enjoy yourself. Yeah. Uh, I feel Maybe like they're buddies. I, yeah, right. Like they, they're on the same plane. Like oh, untouchable. Hey, I'll be fired later. But <laughs> I'm gonna screw this 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 franchise over today. It's like, hey, hey, Miko, <laughs> I'm you know I'm, I've heard a rumor I'm getting fired tomorrow. Uh, you want a three year contract? Contract. <laughs> No, no, I don't want one of those. Well, all right. So, Randy <laughs> changing things up a little bit for the game. Again, where the Ducks uh, pregame roster on Instagram is wrong. Uh, Daniel Sprong comes up with Getzlaff and Shore. Raquel goes down with Richie and Henrique. The second experiment did not work. Uh, Raquel, Richie, and Henrique were not great tonight. And the lineup just got it's put into a blender pretty much in the middle of the second period, where at one point Terry and Jones were up with uh, Getzlaff, which I don't hate. But uh, that's how bad things were going in this game. Uh, bonus, it was Angel Night. So if you're an Angels fan, you got to see Shohei Otani. Uh, you got to see a couple Angels Angels players. I don't know any of them other than Shohei Otani, so I'm not going <laughs> to pretend I do. Uh, and those jerseys were hideous. I, a lot of people thought they were hideous. I don't know how you felt. Oh, no, I don't care. Yeah, okay. Well, we're not baseball fans. <laughs> uh, we're going to say... I, I like the Angels. I like the Ducks. But at the same time, it's like... Yeah, I'm more annoyed that the Ducks are sucking right now. So I could care less what the jerseys look like or who the hell else comes out to, my uh, favorite to part try to bump night. things up for the Ducks. My favorite part of Angels Night is seeing the guy who does the uh, translation for Shohei Otani. <laughs> because we just get an interview with that guy. He's like the most unenthusiastic guy I've ever seen in my life. He's just the best. He's the best interview ever. And now, I think it was three times we've seen him last year's Angels Night. And then they had, I think they had him there when he first got signed. And we got to see this guy too. Uh, my favorite part of Angels Night is just seeing that guy. <laughs> I mean, that's that's got to be the highlight at this point. There's nothing else. <laughs> there's nothing else. We're, we're going to, because there's really much nothing else, we're going to spare you a long, uh, long-winded long breakdown of this game. Oh, we'll roll God. through it pretty quickly. But uh, the first period uh, was a mess, but it's one of those messes where the Ducks somehow escape tied at the end of the first period. They got outshot 13-2, to two, and scoring chances were 10-3. to three. But, hey, despite getting outshot 7 nothing in the first five minutes, the Ducks scored the first goal. And it's none other than Daniel Sprong, the guy you and me talked about on the last show, and Dave Rodriguez brought up the question that he's being underplayed, which he obviously is, and he comes in, and it's a pure snipe. I mean, this kid yeah. can shoot the puck. And yeah. I hate to say it, as much as I do sort of like Marcus Pedersen, I didn't love him, I think we won this trade pretty easily because Daniel Sprong continues to produce. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there, there's nothing that uh, the goalie was going to do in that particular situation. I mean, he literally comes in, has an angle, and puts it you know, top cheddar. I don't know if that's what the kids say or allers would say, 
but he puts it right up there. And I mean, the, the goalie could, could guess at best, like to hold that glove up high and maybe catch yeah. it up here. But there's there's nothing he's going to do. And it was it was a clean goal, clean shot, and uh, about the only highlight we can actually go like, oh, we did it, we did good, we did things because things happen. That, there was nothing. <laughs> Uh, you put in here that we don't deserve Gibby. I, I feel we like that, that sums it up right there because he made it a ridiculous amount of saves, not just in, in this first period, but in the game uh, as a whole. But he had a point-blank save on a breakaway, uh, another unforced turnover for the Ducks. I, it, that's a story of the game in itself, the amount of turnovers they had. And, of course, on the first St. Louis goal, it is a turnover behind the net where somehow Getzlaff and Manson just – do not understand how to control the puck. They get tied up with, I'm not even sure what Blues player it was behind the That's net. That's not even my favorite part of it either. What is? Tell uh, me. Uh, Tell uh, me more. Cam Fowler doing a pirouette right in front where Tarasenko is the most dangerous person. He is, oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to turn around. It just is this fucking <laughs> turnaround thing where it doesn't, doesn't cover anybody, but just spins around and kind of looks pretty as he's dancing around. And then it's just a, a, a clean, easy shot for a a guy who uh has been hot in january not necessarily through the rest of the season but a dude who has been playing really hot lately their top goal scorer the guy you probably should be all over but you're yep. just spinning around because you're completely lost on how to play defense at this point in the season that was this season that that's cam fowler on a regular basis and, and his awareness he we've seen it so many times this year with cam fowler and even not just this year in the past where he just he, his his awareness in his own zone is is not great he gets caught puck watching a lot i mean i wrote an entire article on this today on just the struggles that cam fowler has had this year <laughs> and some of the dirt that i i've dug up on him and and found this year not that it, it it's hidden but just the stuff that you kind of forget happened and then you bring it back up and you look at his numbers this year hasn't been good for him and and this play i mean this is the last guy you want to leave open on on the uh on the blues line even the way ryan o'reilly's playing i mean tarasenko is a pure shooter he is a 30 to 40 goal scorer on a regular basis usually and uh, you lose him somehow, and then you do a nice spin move to uh, to try spin and move. And and the thing is, I've seen this spin move from Cam Fowler probably three or four times this season, which is three or four times too many to see a defenseman of his quality do a spin move to try and block a shot. He's done it on on so many occasions. I I just don't even. I mean, it's a Cam Fowler now. That's what you just have to call it. It's not even a spin move. It's it's oh, the Cam Fowler. He's camming it. I have no idea how you how you do that. Where I, I get it, but he he literally looks at the pass that's happening, spins the wrong way. That pass goes goes in. He goes, oh, that guy shot. Oh, and then he comes all the way full circle. And goes, ah, oh, I was in the net the whole time. Like he's a he's a he's a child, and a magician is just happening around him, and he's just befuddled by himself <laughs> i have yeah. no idea how you spin around that many times you go like ah fooled again silly damn i could have done that better ricky <laughs> says five to six times this year that he's done that and i it doesn't I it won't it surprise me at all it's no. just it blows me away how 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 bad he has been at reading plays and defending Let's sum up that first period with a quote from mm. John Allers where he said a little fire wagon hockey is how he summed up the play in that first period. Um, typical John Allers quote, but he's not yeah. wrong. 
I mean, if you want, it depends on how you determine uh, interpret fire wagon hockey. But I, I you have know, no I, idea what that means. I guess it means you get outshot thirteen to two in the first period, and you somehow I guess come you're on out a wagon, and, and then it's on fire, and then you just everything's yeah. on fire, <laughs> it's and you're on that wagon. I have no idea what fire wagon means or how bad that is in terms of things. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have, I'm I not even going to try. I'm not I'm tired trying of trying to figure one. out John Aller's quotes anymore. All right, let's get through the rest of this game real quick. This is a nightmare. <laughs> uh, second period's always been a problem for the Ducks this year. Of course, they let in two goals. Uh, I don't even really want to get into them that much. It, it, they were really not that great. Uh, John Gibson kind of just getting hung out to dry. Uh, uh, the second goal, especially, where Oscar Sundquist, of all people, who has 10 goals this year, which is almost as many as every duck on this team. And he was just left wide open to slam home a rebound. Uh, 26 to 9 were the shots at the end of this period. The Blues were now up 3 to 1 after getting two goals in that period. Just another nightmare period. And there's, there's just one thing you don't want to do against this team. They haven't been great all year, but you don't want to give them the lead because when they have the lead, they rarely lose it. And uh, there was no chance in hell with getting nine shots through two periods that the Ducks were going to come back in this one. Quite literally, I think in the first two periods, I farted more than the Ducks actually shot on net. There's no reason you can only have single digit shot numbers to the first two periods. Um, And they didn't get any better come the third period. But at the same time, it's just like, uh, St. Louis, they will outshoot you. That's kind of the thing they try and do a lot more. They try and outshoot the opponent and see if some of those go in. And, you know, Tarasenko has been struggling, but has recently come on, and O'Reilly is all-star. He's going to be at the all-star game. Yeah. So it's it's not something that you just kind of let pass. I mean, the, the, the fact that they can't muster up double digit shots after two periods it's just it, you, you're never going to win that game and you like you said you're going to leave john gibson out to dry and then some people are going to go like oh john Gibson didn't stop enough shots now we just we can't do anything to support this dude and this dude is the dude we need to support no for sure and a couple couple uh explanations of what a uh a fire wagon hockey could be <laughs> is uh, i oh. said it's a little helter skelter. That that's a <laughs> comparison. That's a comparison. That's what oh we've heard before. Uh, Ricky said the meme of the dog sitting in a chair sipping coffee while the room's on fire. <laughs> that's fine. That's yeah. This is fine. <laughs> that that sums up this period. You know, the ducks come out getting outshot thirteen to two, twenty six to nine after the second period. After the first, you're you're tied at once. You're like, ah, oh, this is fine. And it's by the second period, the room is on fire, and, uh, and that's all she wrote. Um, oh, we got we got funny fans. Oh yeah, third 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 period didn't get much better. Um, yeah. You want to score goals? Well, how about you score one on your own net, Nick Ritchie? Yeah. Uh, Bozak comes in and banks one in off Nick Ritchie's skate. Nick Ritchie doing a little bit of a camp fowler of his own, spinning in front of the net, and it uh, not really paying attention to the puckets, and it hits in off him and goes in. Uh, and then right after that, I, or you say put in here Fowler again, and wow. Manson stuck together. Another goal for the St. Louis Blues, which I don't even really want to break down, but it was Sammy Blay. I thought it was Blaze, but he's in front of the net, wide open. Cam Fowler and Josh Manson are really covering him, and he bangs in the fifth goal of the game. And wow, surprise, surprise, Cam Fowler and Josh Manson are struggling together 
and they're oh, on, we're on the ice for a ridiculous amount of scoring chances against in this game, but a ridiculous amount of high danger chances against, which has been a trend not only all season, but really it's heavily increased since Cam Fowler came back from injury. They have been just horrible together in the nine games now that Cam Fowler's come back from injury. Even in the wins that the Ducks have had, the defense and the team defense, take the defensemen and take the team defense, it's looked like crap. We've just lucked out and gotten more goals than we've allowed. It's not that we've played great. It's not that we've uh, all of a sudden revitalized ourselves and gotten goals. I mean, we're barely beating these teams. Uh, the two wins we had, and now we're in two losses afterwards. I mean, so at this point, we've lost 14 of 16 games. The team blows. It sucks. It sucks from a defensive uh, <laughs> standpoint. It sucks from the offensive standpoint. We're trying to bring in young guys that maybe do something together. This this team sucks. It, it embrace the suck, I guess, is my message here. But I really wish they would just abandon whatever stupid idea they had where splitting up Lindholm and Manson was going to be a great idea for um, having uh, uh, Fowler and uh, Montour together. It, it's not going to work. It's never going to work. We're, we're well past it ever working. So this season's done. They suck. Figure out something else, bring somebody else in. I don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> Ike says, how about we hashtag unretire bull? At least he was entertaining. Uh, Jared Jared Bull, bring him oh, back yeah. to the lineup. We get some grit into the lineup. He says he says in every podcast, well, we finally noticed it because things have gotten so bad where maybe that's an option. Yeah, well, I mean, if someone's going to start punching people, I'll pay attention all of a sudden. But um, I guess I guess that's what it is. I mean, uh, uh, I don't think he wants to punch people anymore. I think he, he retired yeah. for a reason. Uh, I don't think there's any there's any uh, uh success to it anymore it's no longer the uh the ducks that won the you know stanley cup and also won in fighting majors in a season that's that's not the nhl anymore we're we're, we're screwed no uh Chase says, <laughs> should we expect the roster change after this game probably God, not no. but one can wish <laughs> yeah i i know i don't no. think so maybe we see a, a minor trade because the ducks are, are competing with the minnesota wild to have the most meaningless trades in one season uh, until the Wild made the deal with Nito Rider for Victor Rask, which has probably been one of the worst trades I've ever seen this season because not only did Nito Niederreiter score two more goals for the Carolina Hurricanes tonight, why in the hell would you think that Victor Rask is worth the same as, as Nito Niederreiter? But, hey, Pontus Habrick's putting up points for the Minnesota Wild. That's, <laughs> I'm that's assuming something. he didn't. I'm assuming he didn't, right? No, he's got two points in four games. Oh, good for him. All right. <laughs> I'd say a couple more, couple more points than he had just before he got traded. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, Minnesota was trying to change things up. I, I, I assume they trade Niederreiter and hoping Rask is like a change of scenery and seeing who might work out. But, uh, yeah, no, once again, uh, Minnesota's a little bit in trouble. The Ducks are definitely in trouble. Uh, there's... There's nothing, man. There's no I mean, words to explain. <laughs> there's, there's nothing. I mean, I, I wish I did something. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, things are kind of rough now. But here, here's a highlight. 
there's nothing besides Gibson. He's going to go to the playoffs if he doesn't get, you know, high kicked in the head again just prior to this and some sort of warm up. Uh, there's there's nothing. The, the, the Ducks are screwed for the rest of the season. In my John Gibson's going to go to the All Star game and never come back. Or he's just gonna find a, a clone. Ooh, of is he gonna pull? A, is he gonna pull a Hiller, where he gets uh, he gets domed in the warmups and then has uh, vertigo for the rest of his life? Oh, God, don't even don't even try with that, John Gibson. Uh, see, well, no, so I'm taking it off of is. your shoulders and put it on the mine. Now it's my. Oh, day. now if he gets hurt, then it's on you. Yeah, <laughs> it's all on Yeah, if he gets hurt in the All Star game, you guys know who to blame now, not me. So, yeah, and, and if he does, then I'll just jump in and then I'll be literally the best goalie ever there you go better than Chad <laughs> Jackson, right? so. all right so let's uh let's let's kind of sum this uh game up here the ducks have now dropped 14 of their last 16 games they also haven't won at home in seven straight which is i think that's dating back to early december was the last time they won a home game they did have a lot of road games in the last mix year. Too, but they also did go on a 12 game losing streak in that stretch and have only won two games which they probably shouldn't have won especially the game against Minnesota where they somehow didn't get scored on because someone named John Gibson was in that. And even in the, in the devil's game, they probably didn't deserve to win that game either. Cause they didn't really play that great. Uh, it's been a 16 game stretch where the ducks probably should have lost all of them, but they escaped with two wins on the back of John Gibson, which we kind of thought would happen. The only way that streak was going to end is if John Gibson stood on his head, because this is the lowest goal scoring team in the league since Christmas, lower than the Kings, lower than everybody else. Um, and I don't think they're all that much worse. I think there's two other worse teams offensively. And I think over the season. Yes. Over the season, I know Kings for sure, and I think Chicago. I, I believe you're right. Yeah, over the season, the Ducks aren't the, the worst because they had that yeah. stretch there where we're like, oh, they can score. Like, this is actually happening where they, they won nine of, of ten games and they were actually scoring goals. And then, uh, yeah, then that went out the window after Christmas, and the Ducks have been the lowest goal-scoring team since Christmas. So they're, yeah. they're gaining ground. Yeah, we're almost there. Um, here's here's what Duck fans need to know is that since they went to the new playoff format where it's the uh, you know the top three, one plays a wild card, two you know the, the other guy plays the other wild card, and then the other two division guys play the uh, each other. Uh, no one in the Western Conference has ever gone to the playoffs with a a zero or a negative goal differential. The Ducks at this point are now minus 33. So they've got to make up 33 goals in their last 30 games to even buck that one trend. The only teams that have ever been a minus or an equal have been in the Eastern Conference since they went to this format. No one in the Western Conference has ever done that. I don't see the Ducks ever coming back there, even though the uh, the playoff format blows, uh, or you know, the sorry, the uh, Western Conference blows, and it's all mediocrity in between the the middle and the bottom. There's no way the Ducks make it. They're this bad. Only Chicago and the Kings are worse. Everybody else has more of a chance than the Ducks. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that real quick because we we had this in, in some other notes I was writing uh, for a different thing. Uh, Sorry, if the Ducks can make <laughs> no 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 that that make, it, it it applies here. Is can the Ducks make the playoffs? Last year you needed ninety seven points I believe to make the playoffs. 
uh, before going in tonight. So let's just say it's after tonight. There's 62 points available left for the Ducks to go get. They have 51 points right now. They would need 46 of the remaining 62 available points to hit just hit the 97 mark, which is apparently usually needed to make the playoffs. So 32 games remaining, or 31 now, would mean they would have to win 23 of those games. You know the only teams who have gone for more, 23 or more wins over the last 32 games? That would be the Calgary Flames, which is the top goal-scoring team in the league. They went 23-5-4. and four. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, Pacific. who is the second highest goal-scoring team in the league, I believe, who went 25-6-1 and one over their last 32 games. There's no the only way you win that many games or you win 23 of 32 is if you can score a lot of goals. And I don't see the Ducks going from dead last since Christmas to jumping into the top five over the last 32 games. There's no way they hit that 97 point mark. And I think it honestly might be lower this year because of how bad some of these teams are on the outside. So I could say maybe 92. But even then, you're you're still having to win, you know, about. 70 65 percent of your remaining games i don't see how they do that scoring at the rate that they are you look at how they played in this game getting 13 shots on goal against a team who who is probably better than the way they played but they haven't been that good this year i mean that's the problem is is they've got themselves in a position now where somehow they're barely hanging on to a playoff spot but at least the teams around them you're like oh they're bound to go on a stretch and score some goals and win games but the ducks just aren't in that position yeah, I mean, I, I've seen uh, Philadelphia where they lost 10 games in a row. And then in that same season, won 10 games in a row and actually got into the playoffs. And, well, you know, whatever they did from there was whatever. But the Ducks are not that team. The Ducks are screwed. Um, they They cannot win enough games, get enough points. And if somehow, by some miracle all hail John Gibson, they actually get into a playoff spot. There is no way they're going to beat any of those top teams. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense, any rational sense that they can do that. They can score enough goals. They can be, get, plug in enough players. At this point, people are going down left and right. There's there's no Kessler. There's no Kasha. There's there's no Silverberg. There's no Perry. There's I mean, the list is is forever, and you can even try and plug in young guys and hope they kind of kick in. But at the same spot, Terry's only had one goal in four games. Uh, Max yeah. Jones, although great, zero goals. Zero in, points. In, in, zero points in all those games. Derek Grant's got a goal, but... Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of there, but it's not enough. And all these fringe movements and all these backup defensemen are not going to really help the Ducks all of a sudden become a perennial team that's all of a sudden going to win 70% of their games moving forward. They got John Gibson. They're good enough. They're a fringe team today. They need to embrace the fact that that's going to fail and that they're going to have to start actually trying to get more people in there that might make a difference in the seasons to come. It's not this season. It's probably not next season either. No, and and, and the thing is, like you said, we need goal scoring if we're even going to hope for that. And then you, you look at the fact that Andre Kasha is now done for the season, and he was your hope of injecting some offense into your lineup. And then the only guy, I mean, Patrick Eves isn't going to come in 
and, and do a whole lot, in my opinion. Nothing against Patrick Eves, but I don't think he's going to come in and you know score at a rate that is going to help the Ducks. Jakob Silverberg has been inconsistent, and I honestly don't think he lasts with this team past the deadline. I don't see why that would be a smart move at this point when you look probably closer to February 25th. The Ducks are going to be even worse position than they are now when you look at some of the teams they have to come face, including right after the break going and playing a, a road trip in Canada against Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa. That That's not going to be easy. When he, I mean, we, we joke about Ottawa being an easy team to face, and uh, they beat the Ducks on their yeah. losing streak as well. The, the the battle of losing streaks that the Ducks <laughs> lost. I, I mean, and, and yeah, sure, Corey Perry could come back and, and be healthy and score goals, but he's not going to be able to do it himself. The, the, at this point, you would need a complete turnaround of the Ducks offense where Ricard Raquel, uh, Troy Terry, Max Jones, all of these guys, Getzlaff started scoring goals. Silverberg would have to come back and get hot. Corey Perry would have to come back and be lights out. He'd have to probably score 15 goals at least he'd have to score at least a goal every other game to, to actually make a dent in this Ducks offense. And it's just, it's not going to happen. And, and I hate being negative on, on this podcast. We, we want to, we want to give you guys <laughs> it, it some hope or, so or whatever, but it, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to do that when you look at what the Ducks have to do to get into what's considered playoff range. And generally the only teams who get there are teams that score a lot of goals. I, again, like like when we looked at it, the, the best records over the last 32 games, pretty much every team in that top five is not in the bottom half in goals for over that period. It, it's just not going to happen. I, I don't see how the Ducks turn that around. Yeah, there's there's not enough goal scoring. There's not enough power play success. Um, and I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but I mean, it's just the the I mean. St. Louis, this game right here, five nothing loss. That was warming up the hand for a giant slap across your face to wake up. Season's pretty much done. There's there's not a whole lot of room to improve where you're going to all of a sudden become a cup contender. If you're lucky, you might even get into the playoffs. But after that, what what's the point at that point? Just just let it happen. Everyone go in, let Randy Carla, I guess, end out his season and then be a front office guy over there that tells you how the days were back in your, and then uh, you move on to the new coach and whatever else the hell happens. Because at, at this point you're done. There, there's not much. Yeah. It's, it's not, I mean, 23 of the next 31 is just over 74% of their get the remaining games they would have to win to get into what last year was considered a playoffs. But and even happen. if it's less this year, like we said, it's it's probably seventy percent. So if if they get in I don't even miracle, see them winning fifty percent of their games the rest of the way. I mean that that's what you would think because they're they're are they still at five hundred? I believe they're exactly at five hundred with this loss or, or close to being around or just over just under five hundred. So Kasha gone. He's they're done. Yeah. No, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of hope, unfortunately. But the fire Randy Carlisle chants are back, um, as if that's a small section apparently at Honda Center was was chanting "Fire Randy" today. It's not going to matter. Which, all the power to them because I feel like a lot of people are behind them, but uh, it's not going to matter. I, I don't. They're not going to do anything. There's... I mean, we've, what, what what coach has ever survived losing 14 of their last 16? Well, no coach. I. I... 
correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you will get right on your computer and check me for this, but uh, whatever coaches come in at 51 games into the season all of a sudden turn this team around and then made them a cup contender, it's not going to happen. He's They're 51 games in. There is all of 31 more games left. Bringing in another coach is not all of a sudden going to make the Ducks a contender at this point. They're done. They're going to ride out the season. It's over. Who's going to be the next coach? We'll get around to that at some point. But it's going to be a growing pace probably for the next uh, three months. And then, uh, well, I'll get kind of excited about the draft. At least we're good at that. We're good at drafting. Yeah. I, didn't Dan Vilesma? That's the only guy I think <laughs> of. Didn't Dan Vilesma come in? I don't know how bad the Penguins were that year where he came in and won the cup. But he came in and put up like a ridiculous streak over 20 some odd games he had, he had a team that was gonna do it i don't think our team oh can. Well, for sure he had a ridiculous team behind him but obviously there was a reason the coach got fired i don't think they were great when he came in obviously or they wouldn't have fired their coach i don't think they're as bad at record as the ducks are right now but he came in and and put together i think like a, a 24 and, and two kind of record i don't exactly know the numbers but that's the type of <laughs> That's the type of impact the Ducks would need. That doesn't happen often. The fact that I can, can we get can we get trots? Is trots still available? Yeah, you know the Islanders are are, are loving him right now, so I don't think they're gonna so they're gonna make the playoffs. A, he's not the available. Islanders are gonna make the playoffs <laughs> over the Anaheim Ducks in in easy fashion, where they'll probably have it locked up by the by the middle of March that they'll be in a playoff spot and good to go. Uh, and <sighs> the Ducks will will somehow be uh, at, at the bottom. I mean Edmonton could pass the Ducks. Arizona could pass the Ducks at this point. Vancouver could pass the Ducks. Maybe anyway, only the almost anybody except the Kings and Chicago can pass the Ducks at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, at this point, with the way you know, Apparition brings up the just the the way this draft class is this year, at least in the top half for forwards, probably about the top twelve. You might as well just trade off some short term assets and see if you can get a franchise player uh, to, to build around. I mean, there's there's we've already seen it in the chat. You know, Lewis for Hughes, play Crapple for Cackle, and no goals in for Pult Colson. There's a lot of different guys at the top end of this draft that are, are going to be very good players and the chance that some of them could be franchise players. And there's no point in, in making additions at the trade deadline to try and get better when it's just going to to be a miserable season. There's no way you should trade off assets that you can get rid of, like Jakob Silverberg, and get something in return. If you can get a late first for Jakob Silverberg, I mean, the Oilers had their press conference today, I believe, or yesterday, and they were talking about how they are not in a position to do anything but try and make the playoffs. It's rumored that their first-round pick is on the table. If you're the Ducks, and you can get Jakob Silverberg over there, or even maybe I I don't, I don't want to go as out on a limb and say Josh Manson, but if you can try and move Jakob Silverberg over there for their first round pick, there's no guarantee that the Oilers are going to make the playoffs. If they're shopping their first round pick, you go there, you take it, and you run and hope that they don't make the playoffs. Christ, but Chirelli's gone now. I mean, like Silverberg is the one you want to unload on them because there's a good chance he'll probably fail there as most wingers tend to do over there. <laughs> it's like, but now Shirelli's gone, so I don't think they, uh, they're smart, they wouldn't take that and give up a whole lot for it. Um, but if you're a Ducks fan, once again, this loss from St. Louis, it, that's that's a slap to the face where you got to wake up going, all right, crap, this season sucks. All right, 
what can we do better? How can we make this team better next season? Because there's there's nothing this season that's necessarily going to make the team better. And I don't think Bob Murray's that kind of guy who who's going to turn things around at the trade deadline that all of a sudden makes the team better. Once again, we, we've talked about it. It's just the guy, Bob Murray, is going to wait until a, the draft time and draft and try and move things around. He's he's got he's a good drafter, he's a good scout, he's got a great scouting abilities and great scouts out there. So I feel like that's probably going to be the guy you're going to you, that's when you're going to see movement. You're not going to see it right now. You're not going to see Jakob Silverberg in my opinion move just yet. No, I I still think he moves before the deadline. I I don't think you lose any value in trading him if he stays here past the deadline. If you if you keep him, you might as well sign him at that point, or you're gonna lose him for nothing. So if if you're trying to move Jakob Silverberg, where do you think he moves to? There's there's plenty of teams I think that will be interested. In. I I think the market's gonna be set um, at the very top end on whether the Columbus Blue Jackets are gonna move Artemi Panarin or not. Uh, are they gonna sign him to an eight year contract? Are they letting, gonna let him go? They are gonna want to have to decide that before they lose him for nothing. That's not the type of guy you want to lose. So once Panarin gets traded, then Jakob Silverberg becomes the second best. Maybe. There's like Wayne Simmons is a name that's out there, and that's a better option for some teams than Jakob Silverberg. I think for most teams, Matt Duchesne's name is out there because he's UFA. Even Mark Stone. There's there's a lot of good forwards out there, but I think uh, it's, it's when the first domino falls and yeah. you set the price yeah. that teams start to panic. So... You know, let's say Wayne Simmons. I got to beat them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Wayne Simmons is a likely option to go probably first. Is, is there's going to be a lot of teams interested in him. Once that domino falls and he likely gets a first-round pick and a prospect, that sets the price up there for other teams. And then those other teams who didn't get him are going to get desperate. And if it's a team specifically looking for a right winger, well, there's not a lot of options after Wayne Simmons other than Jakob Silverberg. So, I, I, that's why I think, you know, if Simmons sets the price high, the Ducks are in a good position to sell off. But from the trades that we've seen so far, uh, it seems to be a buyer's market, especially with what Carolina had to give up for Nino Niederreiter, who's a right wing, who you could argue argue is a better player than Jakob Silverberg. And I know both teams are competing for the playoffs, so they needed kind of a hockey deal to not make their team significantly worse. But you know, if you can get a, a late first and an early second, maybe a, a B-rated prospect and a pick for Jakob Silverberg instead of losing him for nothing, then then go for it. And then if you want to maybe take a shot at re-signing him in free agency, then do that, which I, I don't think they should because I don't think bringing in his contract at four or five million, maybe even closer to six, depending on what the what they're willing to give him, when you're going to then block Troy Terry, Max Jones, even Sam Steele, Maxim Comtois, all these guys from coming up and, and stealing a, a roster spot next year. It just, does, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to, to bring him back. Yes. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Every, every, everything you said uh, made a whole lot of sense to me. But can we get Wayne Simmons now? You know, if he was younger, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I love Wayne way. Simmons. And I, I like the way he here. plays. And, but I, I feel like Max Jones is that kind of player. He could right? be. He could be. Yeah. I I feel he 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 gets in there. I I actually feel yeah. I feel like Max Jones would probably be the Wayne Simmons for the Ducks. I mean, he's that physical presence. He's in front of the net. He's got skill. He's got hands. Uh, I mean, at this point, he's younger and quicker 
than uh, Wayne Simmons has ever had to be. He's he you know he's had to be that you know grinding guy in front of the net type of dude. But uh, Max Jones, I don't feel has to necessarily be that guy, but he's willing to be that guy, which I love too. Yeah, no, I I, I think he could eventually become that you know, close to 20 goal, 40, 50 point guy. Max Jones could be playing with the right guys, which is exactly what Wayne Simmons was for the Philadelphia Flyers. I think Simmons might be the better guy when you look at the, their careers when they're all done because Simmons was, I think he touched 30 at least once or twice, if I if I remember correctly. I think correctly. Max Jones could touch 30 goals. I, I think for me, for him, it, it's a little bit early to tell if he could do that. I, I just <laughs> I'm going to go know. out on a limb. I know you don't like Max Jones, but I, I really do. And I know how much you hate him. But I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be good. <laughs> I, I just, the goal scoring I haven't seen consistent enough to say he's going to be a 20 goal scorer in this. I can't yeah. even say Maxim Comtois is going to be a consistent 20 goal scorer in <laughs> Troy this Terry at this Max point. Jones. Right. So it, it's a little far out, but let's, let's get into fan questions. Cause we have a ridiculous amount. I'm assuming half of them are, why do we suck? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into it. Everybody's wait, wait, upset. Uh, our podcast. What do you mean? Why does our podcast suck? No. Why do, well, maybe. Uh, what? You don't know. I don't know. The question just says, why do we suck? From Chad Lowry. <laughs> so maybe it's why do, uh, why do we suck? You know what? It's, it's, it's just tell everyone it's me. It's the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Aaron uh, Enriquez on uh, Facebook says, how about playing Jake Dotson instead of Andy Walensky? Uh, carbon copy, kind of. You're not doing much. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, okay. uh, but, uh, all right. Uh, play me. Yeah. I'll play. I'll play defense. I, 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 it's just, yeah. They, you can, they can, he can play, that dude can play. They might also have good games. They might have bad games. It, it's just, it, there. there's no upgrade one way or the other. No. They're, they're bringing pretty much the same thing. You could argue that Willinsky's oh, a little bit more oh, offensive-minded and, and Dodson's more of a stay-at-home yeah. guy. But I don't see too much of a difference between their games. Walensky's not been bad, honestly, when you look at his underlying numbers. And he hasn't made a ton of mistakes, which I've actually been surprised in. The, the one thing I thought was weird today was Jakob Larson checked out of the lineup. And I, and I know they had to bring Delzato in and the likely option because he's a left-handed guy is to take Jakob Larson out of the lineup. But, you know, Larson has, has been suspect at times and he kind of has that awareness issue that Cam Fowler does where sometimes he just falls asleep on a play and leaves a guy wide open. But generally his numbers have been pretty good. And if you're ever going to experiment either moving Cam Fowler or doing something else with Cam Fowler... Jacob Larson and Josh Manson have been one of the Ducks' best pairings this year, and they played over 300 minutes at 5-on-5 five five together when Cam Fowler was injured. It wasn't a bad pairing. They were relatively good together. So if you if they want to go back and explore that, I, I'd be fine with that because I don't think Del is going to bring too much to this lineup. No, and uh, at this point, uh, like I said already, they're 51 games into the season. Yeah. They're not going to change anything that they're already doing and what they're doing blows. Um, and it's not going to change. It's just, it, it, I can't figure out why they want to do what they're doing, but that's just what they're doing. So um, I, I, 
like everybody else, I'm trying to figure out a reason or an avenue like, oh, yeah, well, left-handed, right-handed, that makes sense. But you do yeah. that long enough, it doesn't work. Or like, oh, he's defensive, he's offensive, let's make that work. After 51 games, it's not working. Move on, go back to what the hell worked earlier. So it doesn't matter in the bottom five, six pairings, whatever they're trying to do, it's not going to work at this point. It's just they, they got to get the top four back together because they're not a bad top four. They're just not being utilized well. And the bottom two need to, you know, I mean, they can, they can move in and out. But at the same time, if you're top four below, everyone's just trying to figure out what the hell the other person's doing. Cam Fowler just honestly does not work with Josh Manson. And he's always been a difficult guy to find a partner for, just like it, we've, we've had that struggle of finding a top-line left winger for Ryan Getzlaff for, for a very long time. It's almost the same thing with finding a, a partner for Cam Fowler. And, and again, I am surprised because the only real partner we've ever found for him that seemed to click was Brandon Montour the the second half of last season. And uh, for some reason, they've avoided that late the plague and, and putting a pairing that worked together and then going with the pairing that has been the best for you over the last three seasons in Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson and not wanting to put those guys together. They've been together for maybe 80 minutes at five on five. And I guarantee you most of those minutes were in the final two or three minutes of a game where it was either closer. They were leading. So I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. One thing I just realized we're a point per game. 51 points in 51 games. Look at it that Nailed way. It's not it. too bad. Oh, no. Not at all right at the all-star break. Yeah. So, uh, Benoit, <laughs> to move on, because we don't want to talk about that for too long, he said, how can the Samuelis tolerate that their team go on a 12-game losing streak, can't seem to be able to shoot for more than 15 times per game, while allowing what seems to be like 50 shots per game? Don't they want to clean the mess in their front office or what? That's a tough question. I, yeah, I know. And I, I, I don't want to heart too, you know, too strongly on the Samuelis because, you know, I've seen them. I, I, I met them in person, although I will claim Ooh. social media I have. Uh, no, I, there is an owner of a team. And they entrust the GM, which is a general manager of everything hockey operations. And yeah. they entrust that person to get a head coach, a scout, a this, a that, a minor league guy. Uh, you know, how are we going to make this team successful? And that GM has to tell the owners, this is my plan. This is how we get to a championship. Here's how we get there. How This is what I need. I need this amount of money. This is my budget, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Bob Murray's done a very good job. He's very good at drafting and creating a team that will be successful, even though we suck now. This is not a team in full rebuild. It's not a team that is going to suck for years on end. We may not be successful right now. He may have made a misstep with the coaching but at the same time, he's got a good plan, and they've already re-signed him for three years. There's no way you're getting rid of that GM after you just signed him mid-season to another extension without embracing his plan. Um, at the same time, I really wish he didn't hire Carlisle, <laughs> and I wish he would abandon that whole strategy of Carlisle. 
I don't think there's any way that the ownership is going to just abandon um, no. uh, Bob Murray at this point. Some some owners are more hands-on than others, and yeah. I don't know a ton about the Samuelis kind of being on the outside looking in, but they don't seem like they're the hands-on type of owners who will go in and try and change things they on want the hockey fun. side. That's, that's what I've known from them is they just want fun. They want they want the, the energy to be good. I've literally seen uh, Susan Samueli, me, my wife, Marie, have actually seen her with her grandkids in the terrace just playing games and just having a good time. They want... Orange County, they they love it here. They're they're from Irvine, so they want everything to just you know be fun, be energetic, that sort of deal. And he's a hockey fan. Uh, uh, he's a hockey and, fan, but he's not a hockey guy. And I think that's no. why when you hire a guy, a general manager, whatever. You, you and, and anybody on the hockey side, if, if you're an owner who doesn't want to be too hands-on, that's why you, you don't get involved even when things get really bad because then you kind of go against the principles that you've set. And he seems like a guy, or they seem like people who have, who have said, you know, we're going to leave the hockey stuff to the hockey guys, and we're going to stick to you know doing everything else on the other side of the business side. But if any hockey decisions get made, it's going to be the staff that we put in place. And I think, and and obviously they've reinforced that by giving Bob Murray a contract, and they they believe in what he does. And to some extent, I I believe you know one of the reasons this team is doing so bad, uh, Bob Murray built this team to compete in a different style, a different era, if you want to say. I don't think I don't think era is the right word, but at a time when when hockey in the Western Conference was played a lot differently and you, they didn't win they didn't win with that team because of a lot of reasons that were his fault they didn't want to go all the way and make the big move to bring in a guy that could push this team over the top there's a lot of things that Bob Murray hasn't done right in that sense where he didn't want to go out and get the Evander Kane or the Max Pacioretty to really give this team the push they needed they never really went out and made that big deadline move or that big free agent acquisition to make this team you know, better than the Chicago Blackhawks or better than the LA Kings. But now you look at it and the core that's in place was set up to play that style of hockey. And they've tried to make a transition. They don't have the right coach to make that transition. And the core in place just isn't set up to play hockey the way, I guess, the way it's played successfully now. I think they could be better with a better coach, but I don't think it would be much better. Because, again, the, the way this team is set up on the front end just isn't built to play speed type game with with some of the players they have in place. High five in a million angels. That was yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I mean that that that's pretty much a dead on. Uh, you know the the ducks were set up in a in a certain way with a Kessler contract, a Getzloff contract. Uh, a Perry contract, uh, and the game has changed so dramatically. It sucks, but it's changed so dramatically since those signings, just within a few years, that literally the whole team he built to win is no longer relevant. Literally, they are just uh, they're the dinosaurs. The Kesslers aren't going to be a factor anymore, especially with his injuries. Uh, Perry, unfortunately, when he comes back, he's not going to be there. Eves is not going to be there. Getzloff is still relevant in the fact that he can uh, facilitate, uh, you know, passing to goal scorers. But at this point, it's speed, it's skill, it's youth, it's creativity, um, and it's young defensemen. And uh, we kind of have some of those pieces in there, but not enough. 
at this point today, this season or next season, in my opinion, to really make that a, a championship team or a cup contender. Yeah, uh, it's just it's it's not going to work. And and I don't I you know a lot of people Ricky and Lecott are going back and <laughs> forth in the chat saying that it's it's only Randy Carlo or the players have to be blamed at some point. And I and I I kind of side with the players do have to be blamed at some point as well. It it is Randy Carlo to some extent and maybe more extent than the players, but you have to uh, then again sit down and look at the the composition of this roster and say again like I already said the players that were brought in were brought in to play a different style of hockey. And so was Randy Carlisle to some extent was, was brought in to. It just changed so rapidly yeah. that you're it like, crap. In Nick one year. Richie is no longer viable. It really, it pretty much changed after that he yeah. got drafted where teams just started drafting a different way. And then you saw you know, like smaller <laughs> players making their way into the league and, and just more skilled in, in, in a faster style of play. You saw the Dylan yeah. Larkins and the Johnny Goodrows and the Braden Point started succeeding where the bigger guys just started transitioning out. And you saw faster teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins, who were one of the first ones to do it, went back-to-back cups, almost went three in a row because they were just faster than everybody else. You see the Vegas Golden Knights go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals with a mediocre team because they just played a fast, blazing pace style of hockey that just seemed to work. And Again, it, it is on it is on the players to some extent because yes, they have to play the way the coach is playing, but it is on them to produce. And and when you know we've seen players on bad teams produce before, and there are players on bad teams producing this year as well. But when you have you know Ricard Raquel who just isn't playing well, that's not just on the system. That's on Ricard Raquel as well. You have Ryan Getzlaff lately who isn't playing well as well. That's not just on the system. That's on Ryan Getzlaff as well. It, it, it is somewhat on the players. Semi, I'll say it's semi on the players, but you're also talking about players that have been drafted and also have been playing a certain way. That is the way they play. Now, that doesn't work in today's NHL, but that changed, like I said, so quickly that changed on them that literally they're trying to figure out how do I take what I'm good at and make it viable in today's NHL. And they're kind of screwed because if you're not fast, there's nothing. There's nothing. If you're not young, you're not creative, you haven't thought of something else to do, you're just a little bit slower, you're a little bit more set up, a little bit more grindy, and it just doesn't work anymore. And so it's not necessarily, in my opinion, where the players are at a certain fault. It's like, that's the way I am, and that's the way I was drafted and how I played, and now the game has changed so rapidly in such a short amount of time. I'm trying to adapt. And Getzloff has adapted better than, say, Perry or Kessler. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like they're they're stuck. It's just like yeah. this is what I do. I can't I can't become a faster 34 year old skater than I was at 24 years old. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. I, I was scrolling through Twitter and uh, Cole Palmer does uh, game scorecards at the end of each game. And I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know a lot about game score, but it generally tells you. Just do it. It generally tells you just how good of a game a guy had, if you want to put it in a, in a very simply and blunt way. Um, looking at just a lot of things taken to one, it, it has a formula to it, uh, I believe. I mean, I'm going to try and pronounce Dom's last okay. name because I, I Dom Lucizen, I think it is. I've never Nailed been able it. to pronounce his last name, but Nailed it. the data usually comes from <laughs> from his game score model. Um, it's it's unreal the card for this game because it's 
every single St. Louis Blues player and then every Ducks player. That's how there was nobody who had a standout game. Every Blues player, according to the game better. score, had a better game than every the backup Ducks player. goalie had a better game than every well, Ducks that, player. <laughs> the worst, the worst player, according to the game score model, was Jordan Bennington, and he was still better than Brian Getzlaff, who was the Ducks' best player of the night. Um, so the goalie was better than. Yes, and every every. Uh, <laughs> and he only he only made uh, twelve saves on the night. So. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> Every Ducks player one was for negative, <laughs> except for Ryan Getzlaff, Campus Lindholm, Max Jones, and Chad Johnson, who came in for what a bit of the third period. Oh, he actually played. He played. He came in. John Gibson got pulled after I believe the fifth goal. Chad Johnson uh, came in. Jesus, and, I, uh, I stopped paying attention. <laughs> Yeah, got himself a pretty good night. According to this, the person who had the worst night, which I'm not surprised, is Josh Manson. Uh, and Fowler, a couple of positions above him. But I have never seen that. And I've seen a, a game score cards generally oh, every night that every single player opposing team <laughs> stacked on top of. Really bad, but we're we're getting kind of over an hour here. So let's, uh, if my phone will let me, let's uh, wrap up with some of the other questions we have. Uh, so on Instagram, Chad said, "Do other teams change their lines this much?" Probably. Yeah. I, I don't I, think the Ducks are the only ones doing it. I just don't watch enough of, of other teams or pay enough close attention to to that sense where I'm going to be like, "Oh yeah, they change their lines that much." I'm sure they do, especially yeah, teams I, that are losing. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if you're if you're paying attention to what the ducks are doing, then all of a sudden you, you realize what lines are set up and then all of a sudden when those lines aren't there, you go, Oh, they they made a change. But if you're not really paying attention like what freaking um you know, Dallas is doing, all of a sudden they might change a player here and there when they need an extra goal and you don't really realize it because yeah. you're not really watching them all the time. So uh, I feel like they all kind of change it as a game or as, you know, a streak ends up happening. They'll, they'll, they'll figure something else out. So, yeah, I, I feel it happens a lot, a lot. I'm, I'm with pretty game. sure I've seen the Leafs at least recently do it a lot. And they're a team that's winning where they, yeah. they've just been trying to get guys going. Zach Hyman's been up and down the lineup. William Nylander, they've been trying to get going. He finally had a night tonight where he got three assists. And that, that equals the amount of points he had in, I think, the 18 games prior where he only had a goal and two assists since coming yeah. back or since signing the, the contract. Since signing, yeah, yeah. Uh, so every team does it, but we just notice it, and, and all of us notice it more because we're, we're generally, most of us are only watching the Ducks that closely. Um, I, I don't want to rip her question apart on this next question. Don't do um, it. But I always hate when people <laughs> ask this because it... It generally. Why is, is Jason so much better than Eddie? I mean, I that's, know it. Uh, it really offends you, but it's just. Yeah, there, there's that. There's uh, <laughs> why. Why is Pat never on the podcast? That's another one. That has an easy answer. And uh, her question was: Do you think Ryan Getzlaff just needs a new scenery? The no. new scenery questions. <laughs> they always bother me because you know what. Any player, you could say, oh, they just need a new scenery. Plug them into a winning team. You know, play Ryan Getzlaff with David Pasternak. He's going to have a better time than he is right now playing with Devin Shore and Daniel Sprung. Nothing against Daniel Sprung because he's been nothing but amazing for the Ducks. But 
yes, you put Ryan Getzloff on a winning team, maybe give him less of a, 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 a less of a role, I guess, than he's playing right now, one where he doesn't have as much pressure on him. Yeah, he's probably going to do better. He's probably going to do better on a winning team where he has some decent goal scorers on his wing and doesn't have to play 25 minutes a night. He'll probably do better. And you can say that for mostly any player. Yeah, put John Gibson on a uh, team that can score goals. Um, you know, put John yeah, Gibson it, on the Calgary Flames. That new scenery is generally <laughs> going to be better. Put, than put him on, you know, uh, keep Freddie Anderson here, and then put him over on Toronto. I mean, see, see, see who's going to make the playoffs. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's the same thing. It's uh, you know, Getzloff is not going to be all of a sudden uh, a miracle worker on any other team that he isn't already for this team. Uh, my personal opinion is that he's probably injured or just dealing with something that's not quite letting him be at peak performance. Um, But at the same time, you know, that's speculation at the, at the same time, there's, there's no reason to take Getzloff and put him somewhere else. And who the hell are you going to get? And you can't trade him unless he wants to be traded and he doesn't want to go anywhere else besides being here. And why would you not want him here? Makes no sense to try and move him. No, like I, and again, I don't want her to think we. I don't appreciate the question. We appreciate yes. every question we get. It's just I, I think that new scenery thing is yeah. is it applies to some players. And when you make certain hockey trades, fringe, like fringe players mostly, the Elias Lindholm trade, um, you could argue that he needed a new scenery. But then you, I could, I could even go back and and prove the point I've been talking about is now he's playing with Sean Monahan and Johnny Goodrow. And where he was playing at times with Sebastian Ajo in Carolina, but most of the time he wasn't playing. He was playing with like Jordan Stahl and other, and Victor Rask. He wasn't playing with two very very good players getting first power play time. And now he's over a point per game player. So new scenery to some extent, but also just playing with some very good players has helped him out. Yeah, and exactly on the Ducks side of things, you could put uh, Auberg or Sprong where they were not. Did nothing, nothing happening with the teams they were on, and then they come over here, and all of a sudden they just change the scenery. Kind of works. Gets lost that elite talent that it doesn't matter where they go, they will be successful. Yeah, there's going to be maybe lulls here and there, and eventually they'll work it out. And gets lost one of those elite talents that will work it out. It's not those fringe players where oh they need that change of scenery to really kind of kick him in the ass. Grant. Did nothing in uh, you know Pittsburgh, but comes over here and all of a sudden he's scoring goals. He's elite center number one. I mean, it just it's yeah. it, the 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 bottom ones or the halfway ones are the ones that maybe need a change of scenery, but not top echelon players like Getzloff. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, we got a couple of questions left. Actually, I don't even say a couple. We've got a lot of questions left on, on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, to get to, I don't <laughs> know. I, I, so I, I haven't read through them, so I feel like a lot of them might be why do we suck? Uh, All right. It, so let let's let's get into it. Ricky says, uh, "What do you think of Delzato's play in this game? Also, if Fowler goes out with an injury, which we don't think is going to happen, is it time, or is time we scratch him for the rest of the season? And will Larson move up to the second line of defense? So, first of all, what did you think of Delzato in this game? Um, a ghost." I mean, yeah. he, he, he literally... That's not necessarily bad, though. It's not, but he, he literally filled the role of a fifth or sixth defenseman, which is what he was in Vancouver prior to the trade and a very, very long time it took him to get a uh, 
Another visa? green card? I don't know. You're Canadian. Work I'm not. visa, I think. I we, there you go. <laughs> so took him a while. <laughs> took him a while to get here, but I mean, he was never going to be top four. So I mean, we just want him to not be as bad as Shen. <laughs> that's about that's about it. Um, and, and he filled that role with not being as bad as Shen. Um, so that's it. I mean, he played almost 15 minutes tonight. Uh, when he was in Vancouver this year, at, at times he was playing 18 to 20 minutes tonight. That just shows you some. And they, I think Alex Adler was out at times, so they had, they had some need to play him that much. But they didn't play two. him for like since since December, mid December, right? Yeah, they scratched him for like 12 straight games. I, I mean, yeah. he was a minus two if you really want to look at plus minus, which it doesn't really do much to evaluate a player, but. Del Zotto wasn't great, but he, he I didn't notice him making glaring mistakes in this game, which I guess is what you kind of hope for from a bottom-pairing guy. Uh, but he wasn't good, and I didn't expect that. Honestly, I would rather have Jakob Larson in the lineup. Uh, I think you notice him a little bit more, maybe for sometimes the mistakes he makes, but I just think he makes smarter plays, and he's generally just a, a better player than Del Zotto. And at this point, you're going to have Del Zotto for the rest of the season. You're not going to bring him back. You might as well play Jakob Larson have Del Zotto as the seventh guy if you want, and at least get Jakob Larson some more playing time and some more experience. Yep. Uh, but can, huh, is this the worst Ducks team you've ever seen? No. You've seen more Ducks teams than no. I have. So. Nope. I've, I've, seen, I've seen horrific Duck teams. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've seen them. But I, yeah. I, my memory is is not as good for fuzzy. those. those very, yeah, because fuzzy. I was I was younger when I was watching them, and uh, for me, the the extent of my memory, uh, long term, to to really watching hockey enough that I could you know remember it, sit down, analyze it, was just a little bit before the Ducks won the cup. Is where you know I was at an age where I was you know actually breaking down games and, and understanding yeah. it at a different level. So I haven't seen a team that this bad. <laughs> Where I could really, you know, sit down and, and take in every game and, and analyze it. Plus, back in the day, for me, uh, I could barely watch any of the games because the, the only times I could ever see them was uh, when they came, they put the game on CBC or if they came and played Toronto. That was okay. the only time. They ever, so this, for me, is the worst Ducks team that I've ever been able to see and watch a majority of their games. They're, yeah, here's here's the problem is that, Again, I feel like Duck fans are a little bit spoiled in the fact that we've been so successful in the fact yeah. that we've been able to make the playoffs that everyone just assumes that we've always been the playoffs. And there were horrific times. Uh, you know, I mean, 97 is when we actually went to the uh, the playoffs for the very first time. Got, uh, uh, no, we, uh, we beat uh, uh, Coyotes in seven and they got swept in the second round. I mean... It's bad. And then we just kept getting swept by Detroit year after year after year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, when we expanded, we were a horrific team. Uh, it, it didn't get any better. I mean, it's not like the expansion teams now or of yesteryear where you have the Nashville Predators or the Columbus Blue Jackets or Atlanta Thrashers or some, some sort of expansion that ended up happening to make teams better. It was like when we came in, it was with Florida, and it was just grab whoever the hell you can grab. And then 
good luck to you for the next five years. Go go make Pretty yourself think better. <laughs> I the mean, old uh, expansion yeah, Bob, pass. When we have Bob Corkum, Gary Volk, and you know Bobby Dulles is uh, you know our top players. It, it, you're, you're not going to win a whole lot. So I feel like those are probably the bad times. This one's yeah. not necessarily as bad. Not as bad, no. And, and I think that, again, that answer is going to be different for everybody. I yeah. think if the, the actual in your age group. Been able to take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Tom says, am I wrong or has the team now quit on Carlisle? Teams have lost faith. I don't blame them. Uh, maybe. I, again, that's, that honestly is very hard to tell by just watching the game. Uh, the Ducks have just been bad all year. I don't know if, if you can really look at them and say they've lost faith in, in the coaching staff. We haven't seen a McKinnon-type outburst like he had at Jared Bednar where he was freaking out on the, on the bench so hard that he fell off his seat. You know, we, we haven't <laughs> seen funny. some kind of outburst that shows the Ducks are, are frustrated with Carlisle. There's been no comments to show they're frustrated with Carlisle. They're frustrated with their play, but I don't think there's anything to to actually prove that they've lost faith or, or quit on, on Carlisle. I just think they're bad and they're demoralized. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that they're, I feel like they've accepted the fact that uh, after last season, like they got into the playoffs and then they were swept handily. And then they watch the rest of the playoffs and how they would not match up to Vegas or any of the other elite teams and then they come into this season and then there was nothing that really changed other than we got more injuries less talent and and the coach stays the same and that coach is not going to change so at this point i feel like it's a team that goes this is a loss you know we're just we're going to lose this one season it's you know hopefully it gets better next season but um you know the gm has said we're not changing coaches so it is what it is and if we get into the playoffs great if not whatever and even if we get into the playoffs it's not going to matter much so i don't feel like they're losing to to make carlisle get fired because it's not going to happen they're just they're just they've I feel like they've accepted what's going to happen a little bit more than what fans are willing to accept at this point. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, Enrique says, will the Yotes finish ahead of Anaheim this season? I, yeah. I think so. They've started yeah. to get better somehow despite really hot. Really, yeah. With, yeah, without Auntie Ronta, they've been doing really well. Darcy Kemper has just taken the reins in net along with Aiden Hill, and they've <laughs> got some decent goaltending. Uh, they're only one point behind the Ducks with the game in hand. They will probably finish in front of the Ducks at this point. And the only teams I can see, again, that we've already mentioned, that that might not are Chicago and L.A. Because I think Edmonton possibly could be a better team than the Ducks. I, I, it, it's going to be close. Uh, St. Louis, I St. agree, Louis. is a better team than the Ducks. And, and I think Arizona and Vancouver, you could argue, are better teams than Anaheim at this point right now. Just the way they're playing. Maybe not on paper, but uh, I don't see finish higher than uh, than them the way they're playing yeah um you know once we get to the last month of the regular season i want everybody who's listening to this is just look at that goal differential whoever's closest to zero or positive is the team that's either going to make a wild card spot or a division spot and somehow to be the first western conference team in the last five years to actually be a minus and still get a wild card spot 
they'll be a first, but it's not going to be a team that's minus 33 or minus 20 or minus 10. It's something in the single digits, if at all, because it's never happened in the Western Conference since they went to this new format. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be da- tough. Uh, Dallas and Minnesota are my picks to uh, get the wild card spots. Those are those are pretty safe picks, and and there there's a couple teams you could maybe throw in again. You know, never count the stars out for choking in the last month of the season, <laughs> like they did last year. There, there's always a chance, but I I don't know if I can can throw the Ducks in there the way they've been playing lately. Uh, I believe what was this guy's name on on Twitter? Uh, Gildan Krantz has the perfect question to end the podcast on. He said, "Can we be put out of our misery?" I don't know if you mean with the Ducks losing, or you just want this podcast to end. Uh, <laughs> but I think about time we're, uh, yeah. we're hitting almost an hour twenty, so we'll uh, we'll end it here. Uh, we'll now in regarding what we're going to be doing over the All Star break. Uh, we're hoping to get some content out. Obviously, we're still going to be recording Patreon episodes. We're still working on the to-be-mentioned or to-be-announced thing with Bucks or Feather that we can't really give too much information on right now. Hopefully, we'll be able to, to have that as something over the All-Star break. Um, and then we'll, we we're thinking of doing some kind of live reaction thing or, or whatever for the All-Star game. Don't really know what we're going to do with that because... Uh, it kind of falls on a day where I don't know if all of us are available. I believe it would just be Jason who are available on the all-star game. So we might do something like that, probably either here or on Twitch. So we'll let you know on, on social media, if we're going to do that, but hopefully we can get some kind of a podcast just to break the silence. I don't want to go nine days without doing nothing over oh, that. Period of time. I could totally so. go without your voice. <laughs> uh, maybe everybody feels that way. Maybe, maybe that's how everybody feels, but uh I, so I Patch like, hasn't been on here for ages. Right? Yeah, Patch just given up. <laughs> He's uh, lost faith in the podcast, just like the boys have lost faith in Randy Carlisle. But <laughs> we'll try and do something, whether it's it's here, a podcast, or doing something on Twitch, we'll, we'll be there. If you haven't checked out our Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash forevermighty. Uh, we've been streaming some NHL, not good NHL, bad NHL. We've pretty much lost <laughs> every, every single game. Hasn't been fun. Been fun for, I guess, the people in there to watch us lose. <laughs> We've uh, done that on occasion. We're still trying to get to 50 followers just so we can try and hit affiliate status before the end of the month. So if you're listening and you have a second, just head over to twitch.tv slash forevermighty. Just make a quick count, give us a follow, and uh, possibly moving the podcast over there eventually. So you get a head start over there and make sure you're followed. Um, make sure you check out our recent interview with Paul Campbell. We talked everything John Gibson. That's still up on Spreaker, doing pretty well there. Great interview with him. A lot of goalie talk, a lot of things going on there. So Paul Campbell's always a good interview. And uh, sure. Jason, Jason and him are both goalies, so it worked <laughs> out. Um, make sure you check out Cool Hockey. They're having a sale right now where I think it's like $20 for customization, which isn't that bad. So make sure you head over there. Use the code FM20 to get uh, 20% off on your order. They'll be getting the Ducks third jerseys in stock uh, mid-February is what I've been told. So hopefully if you're looking to get a Ducks third jersey from Cool Hockey, you can check back in about mid-February. I'll update that when I when I get more news, but hopefully they'll have that. Uh, All right, no one cares. Let's get to the Patreon. I have two more. That and one more thing than the Patreon. <laughs> FM three stars. For everybody three stars. Oh, yes. Today for January, we have a winner that I'll announce Who tomorrow. Won? 
Is it uh, Clarissa? I, I, I haven't. I think so, but I haven't checked, so I don't want to go out and say it was her and then Clarissa. she didn't win. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the, the new one will start, of course, I believe February 2nd is the first Ducks game of, of the month of February. <laughs> and then, uh, last but not least, like Jason said, check out our Patreon. We do bo- uh, four bonus episodes a month for our top tier. It's patreon.com slash puckguysforevermighty. Um, we'll have four bonus episodes a month. Plus, if you subscribe to the $10 tier, you get a nice fancy bottle opener with our logo on it. Oh, and you also get the drinking show where Eddie just drinks water all all episode. I have drank water the last two times. <laughs> the first time, I didn't feel like leaving the house and going to get anything to drink. And the second wah, time, I was wah, wah. <laughs> oh, so, this, so this next one, I, I will have something. So if you want to check that out, make sure you, you head over to our Patreon. Uh, but that's it. Maybe or maybe not, Pat will join us for the next show. We don't really know. We'll... Uh, We'll figure that out. He was super busy today, so that that's fine. We're we're just messing around with him. But uh, we'll be back for sure with the next game, which I believe is February 2nd for the Ducks. So everybody enjoy your All-Star break. Don't be too upset. Uh, lose for Hughes. Dozen, lose dozens for Cousins. Whatever. No goals in for pulled Coles in. Whatever you want uh, to, to help you get through and embrace the tank. Hugs all around all of you. Hugging everyone. All right, guys. We'll see you in February. Take care. Bye, guys.